Hi, I am Rohan Thakkar, founder of EP Log Media and host of Hit the Road and Being the Change podcast. I am pleased to introduce EP Log Tech, a guide to all things about technology. In this opening episode, we have Siddharth Hegde, MD and founder of Ethinos Digital, a technology-driven digital media company. He brings to the table an industry understanding and background in digital strategy formulation and implementation. He's joined by his partner Ben Hayes, who has been a part of this digital revolution since its inception. They together share their experiences and vision for how digital media is changing and will be shaping the way we Indians consume content online. You can listen to this podcast on our website www.eplog.media and all other podcasting apps. Hi, this is Siddharth Hegde. I run a digital marketing company um, called Ethinos Digital Marketing. Um, interestingly, my background before I started this company was that um, I actually had never worked at an agency. I worked at a client's and um, I had a lot of issues with some of the agencies we worked with. And that's when I decided that maybe I wanted to set up something which could take care of some of the problems that I was having. Uh, I've been doing this for the last seven, eight years. Um, I think it's been quite interesting in terms of uh, what we've seen over the last few years. Start doing digital when there were less than 100 million people online in India. Um, and today it's, you know, just under 500 million and uh, poised to see the next couple of hundred million people. So uh, my name is Ben. I'm Siddharth's partner at Etnos Digital. Um, I, I, unlike Siddharth, didn't work on the client side at any point in time. I've spent the last 18 years working purely in agencies. I've helped build um, and sell two previous agencies um, and I've worked across many different uh, clients, across markets, across different um, solutions, as well as uh, be, it, be it technology, media, uh, social, SEO, all those lovely things that we uh, come to talk about in the, in the digital world. And yeah, um, from a India perspective, this for me is probably one of the most exciting markets on the planet. It's got the fastest growth rates um, when it comes to adoption, but also it's got some of the uh, leading lights in terms of what is being done in digital. And I guess the, the world I came from, if I look at, let's say, the UK, um, the, the world there was very different from an internet standpoint uh, when I started working there, where predominantly it was a desktop, uh, laptop-driven world, whereas this world has been driven heavily by uh, the internet um, penetration of the mobile phone. So it's got very different challenges and the scale is, is, is quite uh, unfathomable at times to get, get your head around, um, especially when you compare it to a kind of UK market um, for numbers. So I, I think um, what we wanted to do is keep it a free-flowing conversation about maybe what we're seeing in terms of some of the numbers in India, what we're seeing happen from a regional perspective. Regional used to typically be the type of thing that totally got ignored. Digital used to always be focused on uh, the big cities in India, um, digital is also being significantly impacted by technology. So we'll talk about some of the technologies that we see happening and impacting and the use that they have for customers. We'll also talk about some of the companies we admire 
Um, I think Ben will spend a lot of time also talking through areas like blockchain, programmatic, and a couple of other areas which I claim not to know too much about, and I think I don't know too much about. But uh, I think the idea is to have a free-flowing conversation about where we see digital heading in India, some of the impact we're making. Ben, you want to add to that? I think looking at um, all the new technologies that, that are going to be rolling out, um, you mentioned programmatic. I think there's some very interesting uh, developments happening in the automation space as well. Uh, machine learning, AI, um, and building really, really complex models which which are personalizing content, personalizing media, personalizing experiences for consumers online. And, and the growth rates there, especially with companies like Adobe, Google, um, Salesforce, these kind of guys driving a very different agenda. And we're seeing a lot more penetration from these guys into market with their technology solutions. Uh, it's really interesting to see some of the use cases of, of what's happening um, and how they are going to affect um, uh, the country as well as as well as the internet as a whole. Um, but obviously, there's implications of this from things like the data security side of things and, and privacy. Um, so, how does that affect the individuals, especially from an Indian context? Globally, there's been obviously a lot of talk about GDPR, but how that actually rolls into India, um, that's an, another interesting topic to come because. If I'm, if I'm frank about it, some of the solutions currently used today in this market would, would be illegal in Europe. But uh, it, as there's no sort of rulings or regulations to that regard in the same sort of levels, then you can kind of get away with murder out here. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I'm sure that will change along the line. So, so how, how do we kind of advise our clients into sort of, okay, yes, we can make quick wins today, but tomorrow they might not be... Uh, uh, plan for the plan, future. Plan for the future. So, how do we safeguard ourselves? How do we actually safeguard ourselves for the future, uh, and maybe bring ourselves into line with more GDPR-compliant type uh, setup uh, as we go? I think the thing that enthuses me the most about um, everything online and digital is how you know, at a 1.3 billion and growing quickly population, we're still only 34% penetrated. If you look at markets like the UAE or the US or Korea. Uh, all of them are high 90s, you know, so um, given that, you know, I think we are only about just under 500 million this year. Um, I think there's a huge potential for growth and, um, you know, short term, I think it's digital and TV, uh, which are going to dominate uh, what's happening in India. Uh, increasingly, what we're starting to see in the last couple of years is, um, you know, with the advent of even cheaper um, connectivity, because of the likes of Geo and what they're doing to competition, we're seeing, um, you know, beha social behavior change. There was a time when if you went down, um, downstairs to maybe, um, you know, the cab which was waiting for you, um, your driver would typically be chatting with other drivers and there'd be those types of things happening. But today you're likely to see the guys just sitting in the cab and, you know, watching a movie or consuming some content. Um, the same thing in terms of, you know, uh, at home, if there's somebody who helps out, at home in terms of with the cooking and cleaning, um, you know, if the internet's down, the first thing he does is he calls you saying, uh, Bhaiya, the Wi-Fi is not working. Can you get it rectified? <laughs> so I think, yeah, socially, I think, um, and just how we work and how we do stuff is changing drastically because of digital. And I think it's impacting uh, and showing some interesting use cases for, um, you know, uh, for some of the clients we work with as well. Ben, any interesting companies that you see? Yeah, I think... The, the the changes that we're seeing across across the world, especially especially what you're saying from the taxi drivers and 
uh, and that side of things. It, it's the, the landscape's changing from a media perspective, and as an agency, we have to um, adopt those new changes. But also, we have to advise our clients on what the best uh, practices are and the courses uh, of how to move forward. Are. And so, if you look at uh, as, as Sid said, the, uh, just the simple simple example of the of the consumers um, consuming content on on the mobile. This is being driven by the OTTs, so the likes of Hotstar, Sony Live, Netflix are now becoming major major drivers, and and they are coming to market with very different media propositions um, than your traditional TV. And if anything, we are going to see in the next year or two a massive move of media monies moving away from traditional TV into the OTT landscape. Um, just simply by looking at the efficacies, the capabilities of targeting, uh, and the ways in which you can kind of reach the consumer, uh, identify the consumer, profile the consumer, and obviously, therefore, drive a much more meaningful kind of engagement in that consumer. Um, it, it's This is a really interesting space, especially in India. Now, in India, traditionally, uh, very heavy consumers of uh, or, or buyers of traditional TV. Um, but the... the Thing there was uh, the the um, the understanding of whether or not your TV adverts or whether your TV communications have actually driven any value is incredibly difficult to do. With the advent of OTT, uh, with programmatic, with the data attribution models that you can now build, um, you can actually see the efficacies of what is happening um, and where your marketing dollars are one being spent whether or not your marketing dollars are actually getting viewed, but also whether or not they're driving an actual output, uh, business output. Um, we've got clients who are now using OTT to drive uh, things like a store walk-in. Uh, we work with a, um, uh, a West Side where we're able to run um, an OTT type campaign, which is which is video led. But we can also see who's watched the video, uh, who we targeted, uh, what mechanisms we used to target, whether we used a, a Hotstar, a Sony Live, whether it was a YouTube. Um, and whether or not they actually then fundamentally walked into a store. So this is the kind of level of data integration, the level of efficacy that you can now now derive. And and we're soon going to be in a, a space where with integrated um, omni-channel setups, where you've got an underlying data set that kind of underlies your your uh, point of sale data, your POS, with your CRM, with your with your media on top, that you can actually then start running um, communications through an OTT. See that your desired target uh, uh, individual has actually watched that, and then ultimately walked into a store and, and purchased. So this is an exciting time. The, the, there's, a, there's some really interesting things happening in that in that, in that regard, and it's going to be very heavily driven by data. Uh, but also, um, not only that, we're also seeing some really interesting things happening in in the way in which we deploy content now. So a singular video unit can now be, be deployed in twelve different languages. It could actually have uh, dynamic content in it. So maybe uh, you want to have a male protagonist as opposed to a female protagonist. Um, like this sort of in, in, innovation is actually coming around. And I was interesting having a conversation with Sid five minutes before this that that uh, we were just looking at our Netflix account and my wife has an, uh, a profile, I have a profile. And funnily enough, like the, the imagery for my wife has all the girls 
uh, on the on the friends uh, advert, whereas my imagery was all the boys. So I just thought sim- you would have had all the girls in yours. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be more appealing to me. But anyway, apparently it's more appealing to my wife. Uh, yeah, I ended up with Ross, but uh, he's not the most handsome of all of them either. So uh, yeah, but anyway, it's interesting to see that 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 decisioning is happening um, of what content to watch, as well as the imagery that's being presented. Uh, and it's really interesting because I've got another uh, uh, example here because Netflix. I think Netflix are really driving an agenda here. They're doing very, really good at that kind of predictive modeling, that machine learning, that AI in, in sort of presenting content. On the other side, though, I don't feel they're as good at advertising to me outside of the Netflix infrastructure. Maybe I'm already a customer of theirs, so, uh, so they, they don't feel they want to push an agenda to me. But, but Hotstar, on the other hand, I've seen some really interesting things there where, um, uh, yesterday I'm a Game of Thrones fan and, and there was a latest episode that came out. I hadn't watched it yet. So they were pinging me messages saying, Hey, you've not watched it yet. Why, why come and why not come and watch it? So I thought that was very interesting that they knew I was a fan and knew that I would want to watch it. But, um, and they were able to push that media agenda. But, but transversely, um, I'm a Wolves supporter and I watch Wolves. I only, only reason I actually bought Hotstar, to be honest, was, was, uh, well, actually, there's two reasons. One was Game of Thrones and one was, one was to watch the Wolves play football. But, um, I have logged in every week since I bought it and watched every single Wolves game. Yet they haven't, figured that out to push the Wolves game to me. So on one side, they're, they're doing a great job in a media landscape, but they're not doing the same job that Netflix are doing within the actual app itself. Now, this might be a function, as Sid pointed out to me earlier, that my wife consumes a hell of a lot more content on Hotstar than I do. So maybe maybe that's that's why that she's but there and that, therefore the profiling is not so tight uh but but it's really interesting to see the way uh the media solutions are appearing uh the data is now being gathered and you'll be surprised at the amount of, the amount of information that, that, that businesses now have on us and the way we are able to be profiled uh that it's kind of a it's exciting but it's also scary for consumers so it's so kind of a how how that how that comes about in the next sort of year or so uh from a and how we as marketers and as, as an advisor um, need to advise our, our clients. I think that's going to be a really interesting space moving forward. Yeah. I, th- I think interestingly in that sense, um, Hotstar, which you started to talk about, is an interesting example because um, some of the world's largest concurrent viewing of a live event happens during the IPL. Uh, and, you know, that's interesting because traditionally in the U.S. and other developed markets, uh, most sport viewing is either pay-per-view on television or just subscribing to a specific cable channel. Uh, whereas in India, in that sense, um, the growth that the IPL has been seeing in terms of viewership has all been coming from the online space. Uh, a large part of um, Star's revenue um, growth and projections and what they bid for um, Hotstar is all basis what they're seeing as uh, growth when it comes to um, the digital market. I think um, digital also ends up being a marketer's dream because you know you can you have a sense of who watched, what did they watch, did they watch through the entire thing, um, you know what are the other things the guys interested in cricket and interested in luxury goods, the guys interested in cricket and interested in travel. So you know you can do that segmenting of the audience, go after those specific type of people you're looking at for these different types of clients you work with. Um, the one thing that does worry me about the OTT space is actually that a few years back, there were literally just a couple of players in that space. And what's happening now is that almost every cable TV channel, every other company you look at, um, is actually coming out with an OTT play. And from an end consumer's perspective, what he's seeing is that, um, you know, all of a sudden, instead of, um, you know, paying for 
um, just a Netflix and a Prime. He's being asked to pay for Disney. He's being asked to pay for Hotstar. He's being asked to pay for Sony Live. He's being asked to pay for Z5, Voot. Um, and, you know, um, what we saw, I actually saw a research report which said that there's been a significant increase again after many years of the usage of BitTorrents. People don't want to pay for all the content that they consume unless they can be like a super aggregator whom through whom I get a lot of this content. I don't necessarily want to be managing 10 different subscriptions. Yeah. But I guess I'd agree with you there. As a consumer, I wouldn't. And um, I was shocked to hear that Disney um, are going to be aggregating their own platform and building their own platform. Um, and therefore, uh, and so it, it's actually could be dangerous for a marketer as well, but it could also be uh, interesting in seeing what um, new data solutions and what new media solutions appear from this as well. So if I if I now have to not talk to just a Hotstar, a Google, a Netflix, a Sony Live, my list is already quite long. If I'm now having to talk to a Disney, a Discovery or whatever else, I'm just kind of, I'm going to have to keep adding and adding and adding. It was going to fragment the market massively. Um, and it's going to make it more of a minefield for the marketer uh, to kind of navigate. But what I think is going to be quite clear is um, as internet becomes cheaper, uh, the penetration gets um, uh, higher as content starts moving onto these gated, enclosed environments of OTT. Um, that is where the main uh, battle space for mindshare and advertising will, will come. Um, and the efficacy that you will see there is going to be um, uh, far, far better than anything you'll see through traditional means like a print, press, radio, uh, and then even TV, uh, traditional TV. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very interesting time. There's going to be a lot of um, a clutter, but hopefully hopefully there'll be some interesting uh, players who will evolve, who will really lead the charge on this. Um, obviously, Google is the biggest player uh, at, the, at the moment. Um, YouTube has has a, a phenomenal numbers um, a, a, a to, to, to boot. Do you see um, those numbers changing long term? Do you see YouTube being able to hold on to its uh, dominance of the video market? Um, I think from a UGC perspective, it's going to have challenges. Um, if we look at the likes of TikTok, or, or, although TikTok have just been sort of switched off, but it's interesting to see that. But I think um, there's also a thing that maybe there is a stay being passed by the uh, Supreme yeah. Court on TikTok, so let's so, so, so we'll see how juries out on that. I how guess. that pans out, I think that actually, as a as a thing, is kind of criminal. If you take out TikTok, technically, you should take out YouTube, you should take out Facebook, you should take out Twitter. All of them should be taken out. There's no reason why why okay. There may be a little bit of bad content that happened on there, but there was a there was a thing that happened in Australia, a gunman shooting lots of people he shouldn't have done, and that was streamed live on Facebook and YouTube. So so it, to, to to take out one not the others is is it cannot happen, right? And personally, so I, I think so. I, I hope that TikTok gets to stay. If TikTok doesn't get to stay, then there's a very different agenda that's that's kind of coming out of the back of that. If if that's if that's the case, but. But with that said, it's really interesting to see how TikTok appeared out of nowhere and suddenly captured the, uh, a very precise, uh, precise audience, uh, the kind of 16 to 23-year-old market. Uh, and the growth of it was phenomenal. Um, and you're seeing the rates of, say, a Facebook drop at the same kind of rate as a TikTok suddenly appearing out the, of nowhere. The strange so, thing I saw happen with TikTok is everybody I ask in office, do you use TikTok? And everybody says, no, I don't use TikTok. It's not installed on my phone. But everybody seems to have seen TikTok videos. But a lot of them, I think, uh, claim not to this thing. So I think 
TikTok does need to maybe get its marketing act right. It doesn't come across as an app which is um, necessarily aspirational the way something like an Instagram would. Um, there are also a lot of stats around how its usage is being driven by tier two and tier three cities in India. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of, um, it, it, there's, there's a lot of rags to riches stories coming out of TikTok. So there's, there's a, uh, Gully Boy, I think is a really good example here. I think one of the actors in that was auditioned using TikTok, uh, ended up being in a, in a major movie. Um, and that in itself is sort of, uh, has driven that sort of tier two, tier three aspiration. Uh, it has a lot of self-promotion type content in there. So people feeling that they can become a star, uh, and it's really driving that, um, uh, that, that youth today kind of, um, aspiration of becoming famous and doing things to, to kind of drive their own, uh, personal sort of, well, uh, their personal sort of status as such. So, so that it's a completely different platform though in that regard, but it's very interesting from a marketer standpoint because if you can do interventions there, which relate to that, that audience and that, that, that the next generation of India, then it's, it, it's a, it's quite a, it's quite an interesting space for the marketer to, to move into. But this is what I mean though. It's, it's the, it's so quick to fragment like YouTube. Yes. Was a mainstay because it was the only player. Now there is opportunities coming over left, right and center. And as content gets gated, YouTube will not be the only player. I think the fragmentation is the interesting piece because, um, what a lot of these internet platforms are also enabling is that a lot of people are now able to create, publish and publicize their content quite easily in a self-service manner not necessarily dependent on the people who they are connected to. It's quite easy to get out to people who have interests which are very similar to yours. So what you're seeing uh, is a lot more people who are able to become content creators and monetize their content creation for very, very specific audiences. So I think that's one of the uh, most interesting things where, you know, a few years back, what you would see is basically content in either English or in Hindi. But uh, in that sense, I think uh, the growth of the regional video piece, the growth of regional language as of this thing, especially if you look at states like uh, Mizoram, Kerala, etc. in India, you'll find that they're fully literate. Um, but a lot of the people there, while being literate, are not necessarily comfortable with English as their first language. They were being forced to consume content which they accessed through um, you know, an English, um, QWERTY type keyboard, which wasn't necessarily the easiest thing for them to do. But I think that's changing. The other thing, um, uh, which is starting to happen is increasingly, um, you know, voice based search across Alexa, Google, Microsoft's Cortana. All of these things, I think, are uh, also allowing a lot of these people who are not necessarily as well educated to kind of leapfrog one generation. I think on that, that language piece as well, I've seen as a very interesting update on Android. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you start typing on your, uh, QWERTY keyboard, you now have a, uh, a, a, a header from Google to say type in a language that you want to type in. Um, so you can now actually change the keyboard, direct to Tamil, to, to, to Gujarati, whatever language, and talk, type directly from your phone in that language and talk in that language. So now the phones are going multi-lingual. Uh, yeah, you can voice and voice, voice, yeah, voice is a huge, huge growth. Now, so voice, voice is a great story. Now, the, 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 the India piece, especially, is the fastest growing voice 
um, uh, uh, country or growing voice in, 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 on the planet. Yeah, and, 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 it's, yeah. and it, the adoption of it is, is immense. And as, as Sid said at the very beginning about the taxi driver, it's those, it's those kind of guys who are actually driving this. It's, they, they might not necessarily be able to type in English. They might not even be able to type in Hindi, but they can actually, they can obviously talk. So, so they're talking to their phones. They're asking their phones what to do, and, how to and, do. So, yeah, absolutely. I think the interesting thing is that Google's also launched versions which are feature phone friendly. So, you know, you're not necessarily dependent on a relatively expensive smartphone. I think um, the price point I heard is that the cheapest phone which has access to voice enabled search costs 1800 rupees. So it's a price point which I think pretty much everybody is able to go for. Also, if you look at tele density in India and uh, the penetration, we're just under a billion phone connections. So especially in urban markets, you'll see that, you know, tele density is up to about 1.2, 1.3. Even in rural markets, the tele density is reasonably high. So, you know, I think pretty much everybody has kind of uh, the mobile has become the device of choice for connection. And um, it, the usage of the mobile has become a lot easier. The cost of data is a lot lower. So I think in that sense, we're heading towards a hyper competitive, perfect storm type of market where uh, companies which are able to maybe leverage interesting technology, leverage um, their understanding of their consumer, leverage their ability to geo-target and, um, you know, hyper-personalize are going to see uh, significant wins. Yeah, it's quite clearly become a battleground though. So um, with, with Google, Apple, Samsung, uh, Amazon, they're all coming to market with voice solutions, Microsoft as well. Uh, it's, it's a very, it's going to be a very aggressive battleground. But I think futuristically, um, it makes sense that voice becomes the main driver of action. Um, why, why type a keyword? Uh, why type on a keyboard when you can just say the say the command, right? So from a from a usability from a, that perspective, voice will take a main stage. But obviously, there's still challenges in in understanding the voice um, in terms of um, the the machine learning, the AI behind voice command and everything like that. But I think that is quickly going to become uh, smarter and smarter as more more usage comes into play. And this this obviously changes the way marketers have to start thinking, right? We have to then get into this voice world. It's no longer uh, almost like, imagine the old days of pay-per-click and, and searching for keywords on Google and we're talking about keywords. It's now going to be voice commands and how do you SEO voice? It's like, okay, well, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. It's, uh, so what's, what, it, it, that whole piece of, um, the battle for the, for the, the, the search landscape changing as well. So SEO will have huge implications, uh, in terms of how we optimize and how we build uh, on that front. Um, as a business, we've started looking at that very closely, um, building things like Alexa skills, but also working within the Google voice. Uh, environments as well, um, and trying to build content which can be responsive to both voice as well as your normal text play. So it's changing the way you've got to kind of build your websites, build your infrastructure, uh, present your content. And again, more more challenges from a marketer's perspective that, that need to come into play. And interesting thing about voice is it's vernacular; it's not English anymore. It's all uh, it's all uh, in the local regional language. And when you look at vernacular, uh, I think the statistics is there's about 150 million English speakers uh, online. Um, the population of India that speak English is 150 million or thereabouts. So almost like 100% penetration of your of your English speaking market already is online. The growth that we we all hear about is actually all tier two, tier three, um, and it's all of the first, all local language, right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say interestingly, even uh, rural now because even yeah. rural India is actually at twenty uh, percent penetration, and uh, based on a lot of the schemes the government's running, 
um you're likely to see continued um, um you know increase in penetration of uh, most of these uh, folks are using mobile phones and increasingly there is connectivity the specific things they use it for could be different but uh, i think uh, connectivity is definitely happening there's also a few interesting companies like an itc um mahindra tractors etc which are doing some interesting rural marketing type stuff on digital Yeah, agreed. And um, there's talk of 5G as well. So the whole 5G infrastructure is coming into play. I believe Reliance uh, is pu- pushing the charge on that one. Um, and 5G, the, the speeds are pretty good now with with the geo network. But if 5G comes into rural as well, then we're going to see a, a, a massive step change in terms of consumption. Um, from a consumption perspective, India is already one of the highest consumers of, uh, of data. Uh, I was very surprised to see some of the numbers there uh, because the simple cost of data here is, is fractional compared to um, compared to the rest of the world. And this, I think, is being driven obviously by the geo agenda. But I'm, I'm interested to see what geo does once it's got 100% penetration or a very 80%, 90% penetration. Because then, uh, obviously, if you're if you own the the audience of of, of the country. Um, Okay, you're subsidising consumption of their data, but then technically you own the audience. So I'm very interested to see what Geo comes out with that and how they come into the market. I'm sure they've got an agenda which they'll come in with with something, especially from a marketing product. All sorts of agendas could could come out of the back of that. So uh, it's a very interesting space space to be in uh, at this time. So Sid, what do you what do you think about how um, the changes that we're seeing today, be it technological, be it automation be it social how this is going to be kind of adopted in the more traditional b2b environment uh, i guess a lot of these things that we talked about could be more b2c centric but actually uh, there's, there's a, a really interesting uh, movement in terms of b2b marketing and and some of the innovation there is very very interesting indeed uh, and how but it's very different from a, a traditional b2c sort of things but how, how do you see that evolving what? Well, I guess it's different and similar in the sense that the people we're marketing to are still people. So I think um, that for some reason it's um, you know it's become one of those given things that B two B means boring. B two B means it's likely to be slightly dull. But I think there are enough brands which are doing some interesting stuff uh, when it comes to B two B marketing. I think there are enough brands which are early adopters of technology. Um, so what you're going to see is that, uh, especially in the B2B space, um, there's going to be a lot more people who will start leveraging technologies like uh, marketing automation. The idea is, uh, especially when you're marketing to other enterprises, you know, you're not marketing to just one person in the enterprise. You're marketing to somebody in the C-suite who's probably going to be the decision maker. You're marketing to somebody um, who's like a VP or director level who's probably... Um, driving this whole agenda, you're probably going to be marketing to somebody who works for this director or VP level guy, who's probably the guy on the ground who's actually googling stuff and doing the research. So there's different types of marketing. Also, the buying cycle is not, you know, is not necessarily. Um, there's no impulse involved in it. It's likely to be an RFI, an RFP process. So you need to probably cater to the entire thing. And um, you know, just because the sale did not happen in your first interaction doesn't mean you stop selling as an enterprise. I think there are. uh maybe areas which used to be called key account marketing um you know which is now become something more um along the lines of an account based marketing those types of processes as well as um you know doing those processes leveraging things like technology leveraging things like firmographics and psychographics to 
uh, understand your audiences better, understand the types of companies, understand the types of requirements some of these companies have. Um, you know, I think enterprises which are selling to enterprises will also have a sense of who's the best fit. So, you know, once a company's identified its sweet spot saying these are the types of enterprises I sell to, I think there are plenty of platforms like a LinkedIn and others which allow you lots of different options. I think um, a lot, lot of the programmatic platforms as well allow you lots of interesting options in terms of going after specifically, um, you know, spe um, people who fulfill certain different types of roles in companies. So you don't necessarily want to go after um, the admin person while, you know, maybe selling uh, a high-end technology solution. The same way, you know, when you're selling a marketing platform to a marketer, you probably don't want that same ad being shown to an HR person. So I think um, how you slice and dice um, the B2B audience, how you go after specific people in different enterprises is probably um, what is required to win in that space. And I think um, some of the areas that you started to talk about, like, um, you know, programmatic could probably be interesting solutions there. Um, the other thing, end of the day is um, all of these guys are human. So what you see in terms of um, the type of content, if you can, um, like today, I mean, um, I guess um, we're watching shows like a Game of Thrones. So if you can connect your relatively mundane type of stuff to something that's happening uh, out in the environment, it's likely to help that company cut through the clutter. If you can connect what you're doing with the IPL, if you're, if you're able to connect what you're doing with Game of Thrones, if you're able to connect it with the elections, you know, and those types of things, you're likely to, um, you know, better connect and identify with the end consumers. Any interesting examples that you see of this happening? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's, I think you've touched on some really important things here is that it, it's not your traditional advertising of one shoe fits all. And, and back in the old days, you, you'd sit there. Uh, spend half a year trying to figure out what TV commercial to push out. You had to get it perfect. You had to get it right. And you had to push it broad brush stroke to everyone. And it's, you had one piece of content that you're going to push out. And if you got it wrong, you're going to be fired as a CMO. If you, if you got it right, then everyone pats you on the back and well done, mate. But now in a digital space, you can now talk to the CEO directly and you can even figure out if the CEO likes Game of Thrones. So. You, the, that's the level of data that's now being produced and it's then creating the intersects to say, well, I know you're the CEO. I know you like Game of Thrones. I know you're watching Game of Thrones. So I'm going to ping you a message, only you a message, which is, which is going to be tailored my giving my business product to you as, as a user. So that is, that is a, so, that's so, a, so, so <clears throat> sorry to interrupt, but there's, there's an interesting question. Do you think? Doing that is borderline intrusive. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> intrusive. This is why GDPR is there, right? So the interesting thing is, is like, it's, it, it, it's how, it's how you get around it, right? So, so there's a thing they call about PII, right? Personal identifiable information. Um, knowing I'm Ben Hayes is a, is a no-no. Knowing that I, um, uh, this is my bank account is an absolute no-no. But putting clustering me in a bucket to say I'm a group of 20 people who are CEOs who are anonymized and you know my devices as a cluster of CEOs. Here's 20 people who are CEOs. This is not Siddharth, Ben, you know what I mean? It's not in the individuals themselves. Yeah, so, so yeah. So, if I'm going after Ben though, saying, "Hey Ben, how are you? Uh, happy birthday! Uh, how's your mother? How's your sister? Uh, I know where you live." Then 
that's intrusive, that's bad. But if I'm going after you saying, are you a CEO of a big major corporation and giving you a message in that regard, then, then there's, that's, that's, that's the kind of line that will, will have to, have to be, has to get drawn. But the other thing is the guy needs to have actually said that it's okay for you to talk to me. So if this CEO has explicitly said, yes, it's okay for you to talk to me, then I can talk to that CEO and, and I can bucket that CEO in an anonymous way. But I still know he's the CEO because he's, he's falling into that bucket. So this, this is where the fine lines of the kind of the GDPR piece comes in, uh, the data side of things. So the DMPs that you have and how, how you make the data talk. So, so walking the fine line between intent, interest and personalization. Yes, exactly. And, 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 and avoiding the intrusion, uh, the intrusion as you go. Um, I think I remember doing some campaigns a, a while back. Um, it was a couple of years back on Facebook. We were retargeting people with their car license plates for car insurance. So basically, we knew the renewal was up. We'd send, we'd dynamically create an image of the car uh, with the license. So if we knew they had a Maruti Suzuki Swift, uh, we'd show that image of that car and then put their license plate in it. So the advert itself had their car in it. So, uh, so it's intrusive, but it's, it's non-identifiable as such. But anyway, we, we were, we were kind of pulled away from Facebook for doing that because some people complained. But the, 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 the ironic thing was that campaign from a conversion rate standpoint, yeah, um, fantastic. Like it was four times the rate of anything we'd ever done, uh, because of that personalization. So there is merits from an advertiser's perspective to be personal, but there's obviously a, uh, an, a, a consumer agenda that needs, needs to fall into place. So the, the future of, of what we do is obviously going to be how we tow that line between, uh, being useful and on point to the consumer again, uh, uh, but also kind of steering away from the intrusive kind of, uh, calling us, uh, calling it out really, really kind of aggressively. But so one of the things we're seeing is that, you know, uh, platforms like, uh, Facebook, which are not necessarily very private are starting to see a little bit of a decline in terms of, um, you know, how much usage they're seeing, you know, not in terms of sheer numbers, but how much usage they're seeing. Whereas if you see a platform like uh, uh, WhatsApp, which I would call maybe dark social, so you can't really, companies can't really track what you're doing on it. You're seeing a significant growth in platforms like Telegram, uh, WhatsApp and others where you're messaging your peers, you're messaging your immediate group, but uh, marketers are not necessarily able to track. So do you That's have any yeah. thoughts on something like that? Well, I think the reason Facebook bought WhatsApp was for the, for the audience. They wanted the, the, the database of numbers. I think it was like a billion people or something like that that were on it. So you're, they're buying a, uh, they were buying that data and they've quite clearly cross pollinated it. I'm seeing, I'm pretty sure I'm seeing a, uh, a crossover between one platform and the other. It's all within the Facebook ecosystem. Uh, but this type of play has been happening since day one. Like, let's think of Google, right? They've got all of the AdWords data. They've got all the search data. They have analytics plugged into nearly 60, 70% of the internet. Um, they've got Chrome, which is maybe a 40, 50% market share. So they, they have all the user data that you could possibly imagine. Whether it's anonymized or not, they know what you, what you like to eat, what clothes sizes you have. They know everything, right? So it's like, it, it's a, they would do, uh, by the nature of the behavior. But again, it's all anonymized. So it's not Siddharth, it's ABC123 has this preference for food, has this clothing size. So it's kind of, you are bucketed, you are understood, but you're not, not known per se. And that, that, that's what the power of the, the, the MPs that are being created today. Uh, sorry, data management platforms that uh, just uh, cut around the, the, 
<laughs> the acronyms. Um, yeah, it's, it's that's what the power of the, that's been given to marketers today is. So you're seeing these things, very interesting things, like Hotstar, for example. Uh, you can buy um, uh, Flipkart uh, purchase data in Hotstar. So people who have just bought products on Flipkart and then retarget them in a Hotstar environment. We can also buy Vodafone data, uh, so Vodafone consumer data in Hotstar. So, so there's huge amounts of data that's being produced. There's these, there's interesting plays that are coming across uh, from one to another. So there's, there's, there's businesses like uh, Sojourn, Adara, uh, that, that carry huge amounts of travel data. So they know that you're traveling from A to B on which dates that you're traveling, and they can present it up to a marketer to push advertisements to. So the, the the kind of information that's, that's now being pushed into market uh, about consumers is is uh, incredibly powerful for marketers. And yes, it's a little bit wary for the consumer's perspective. But but having been doing this for the last, I don't know, nearly 18 years, I feel as a consumer, if people know me better, they're going to give me better adverts and therefore actually it might be more useful to me. I don't mind companies talking to me and giving me adverts because actually maybe I will want that product. But if they're telling me um, to buy uh, something which is completely not relevant to me, then that's frustrating. Like, uh, But if they're telling me to buy things which are relevant, then actually that's not a problem. It's like actually I'm actually interested, I'm in market, therefore. And so, um, but maybe I'm, I'm quite an open, adoptive type of character. There Obviously, maybe other people who are like don't tell me anything. I don't want to buy anything. Da da da. So, so that that bit is where it's, it's, it's that's where the the battleground is. And I think the rise of sort of consent management platforms and cookie management systems, which allow consumers to actually give and manage their consent to advertisers, that is going to be the next big thing that's going to arrive. And so, blockchain will be driving that. Um, and and having protocols and systems which allow multiple multiple advertisers uh, and systems to talk to each other on a singular uh, framework of data where, where they can easily go between. So um, I imagine uh, a world in a not too distant future where uh, it depends whether the big players come to play like a Facebook and a Google, but that consent being uh, transferred. At a, so it's I as a user actually own my rights on the internet and I as a user can define who talks to me, where they talk to me and how they talk to me. And I think that will become something that that will come in in the not too distant future as well. And I've, Google have tried to do something uh, where you can, there's a paid for subscription where you can own your data and you basically say it's like an ad blocker where you pay Google to say, hey, don't, uh, in order to, uh, you can still go to content sites, but you're basically buying your ads programmatically at a user level. Uh, so you don't see ads, you just see nice pretty pictures instead. So th- th- these things are starting to come about, but uh, uh, it's interesting that that is a big space that's going to kind of evolve yeah, for sure. I think um, what's also probably caught most of these companies unaware is the speed at which the entire usage of mobile, the amount of time they're spending, the average uh, time spent on mobile by the Indian consumer is now up to about 20 plus hours in a week. I mean, that's almost three hours a day. Um, And I think um, over the next few years, you're probably going to see a place where this number stabilizes. You're also probably likely to see um, a little more balanced usage of some of these platforms because uh, what you're starting to see a lot of people do is um, give some of this digital stuff a little bit of a pushback saying, oh, I'm going to do a digital detox. I want my kids to stop using the iPad or the phone as much as they're using. And I think uh, we're probably going to have a lot more regulation and rules around what we can do, stuff around privacy, 
what each of these platforms are allowed to do. I think off the back of Cambridge Analytica, what we did see uh, somebody like a Facebook go through is that uh, we saw them become a lot more transparent. Uh, if you actually visit anybody's Facebook page today, any brand's Facebook page today, you can actually click on transparency uh, and actually go and see what are the current ads that they run. So I think you're going to start to see a move where uh, increasingly brands are going to have to be more and more. It's like almost like the ingredients that are in something that you're going to consume. I mean, if you're going to, um, you know, consume something, um, consumers have a right to know what are the ingredients that go into it. And similarly, from a digital perspective, if you're going to be marketed to, you have a right to know how you're being reached, what attribute of yours is being used by these companies to connect with you. And I think um, some companies like Facebook are starting to do that basis. Some of the pressure they've received of some of the scandals around uh, data theft and Cambridge Analytica, etc. And you're going to start to see, uh, I think, more and more of that happen. Yeah. Well, you can already see it today, right? So you, you look at any of the ads online, uh, the, dis the display ads. Uh, if you, the top right hand corner, there's a little icon. And if you click on that, it'll actually tell you who is serving the ad, where the data's come from, who are the players involved. Uh, that information, uh, is all now becoming kind of available. Um, and it's just really how this all gets aggregated and becomes functional for the user to, to add and subtract where, where and when they want to be advertised to. Um, but it's, it's interesting times as a marketer because obviously, I've always enjoyed being in digital because of the, the sheer velocity and the rate of change. I'm, I'm learning every day. There's, there's not there's not a day I don't learn something new and have to forget something old because something becomes redundant overnight. And at the same time, something's redundant, something else has now become... Being kind of worrying also, the yeah. amount of mail we get trying to keep <laughs> up to date with what's happening. And Absolutely. then, you know, I, I actually have like, um, I don't know, about maybe 100 tabs open with stuff that I need to read. And, you know, I agree with you, the rate of change and just um, how, um, you know, how difficult it is sometimes to just keep up with everything that's happening in digital is um, what's exciting as well as scary. Yeah. I suppose the way I look at it is, is, is to put yourself in the client seat and from a solution side of the point of thing, it's, it's not adopting everything, but it's picking and choosing the things that actually make, make sense to a client. And it's like, okay, he's got a very nice new feature, but actually it, for my client, it doesn't really make sense. And, but I'll remember it as a feature, but I don't necessarily need to know the buttons to press or how to deploy it. I just need to know that he's capable of that. So that's the kind of the way I, I kind of navigate all of this. And then obviously if, if it comes to a feature which makes sense to a client, then it's a case, let's onboard that, let's get it up and running and see how it goes. And obviously through that you're adopting and, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then it's, there's no harm in, in, in trying and failing. Uh, and from a mantra perspective, it's, it's just, that I love that mantra where it's it's better to try and fail than not to even try it. And but you do a so lot. I guess of you agree with Mark Zuckerberg then. <laughs> fail fast. Fail fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fail fast, learn quick. No, that's the if it, the quicker you fail, the faster you learn. Is the sort of the the, the way I operate. But um, but through those failures, uh, you, you can navigate the the space. And digital, it doesn't cost anything to fail, right? In a notional sense, obviously, for some guy spending uh, fifty thousand rupees on something might be their life savings. But for a big business. 50,000 rupees or a lakh just to try something uh, and if it fails it doesn't it's okay it's like at least at least you now know not to do that and this you, doesn't work it doesn't work doesn't and you can move forward right yeah. but if you if you fire a hundred different bullets off one of them will hit the target and if you, if you hit that target you're able to then run run after it and, and make the value come then 
Um, then nothing like it. Like, but so, so that, that bit's really interesting. It's in, and, and it's our job as advisors to, to hopefully cut through that clutter, make the right suggestions, or at least, uh, point the client in the right direction so that, so that we can make those, uh, make, make, make the, like we will make mistakes, but, but the value will start learn to come. Learn from those mistakes. Yeah, we'll learn them and we'll learn. Them. And as, as a consultant and advisor, because we've already made 10 mistakes in the past, we know not to make those mistakes for some of our clients. We can go, look, now we've done it. It doesn't work. Yeah. Let's move on. Try something else. So, yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for your time today, Ben. Um, I'd like to end by just thanking Rowan for having us do this. Thanks. Really enjoyed this. Yeah. Been fun talking. Do comment your thoughts on this episode. And if you have liked it, Please do share so that your peers can listen to it as well. And make sure you subscribe so that you get to know when we come next. Till then, ciao.